This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to Proverbs 14, 12, but let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We trust you. Lord, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, uh, to live here with us. And Lord, we know that he died, and thank you for raising him. Thank you that we can find true salvation through Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, not only to lead us, but to comfort us. Lord, and I pray that you would uh, help us to always make your name great. Lord, help us to love what you love. Help us to reject the things that you reject. Lord, keep us humble. And Lord, we uh, eschew pride and arrogance. Speak clearly to us this morning. Lord, use me as your vessel. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, be the great sound engineer, the Natalie uh, up in the sky, and help. Uh, me, what I'm about to share, come out clearly, and Lord, in a way that people in, that are listening can hear you, and Lord, not only hears, but doers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, so last week, and we sing it almost every week, this type of song, we talk about God's faithfulness, and uh, last week in particularly, it was just beautiful, and I totally agree, God is faithful, Amen. Amen. And he is. He's faithful to his word. Uh, And I just want to challenge us. Make no mistake, God is faithful to his word. Now, the challenge that we have in 21st century is that we kind of project our thoughts into what that means. And and so one of the challenges as a pastor uh, of Mosaic Church on a Sunday morning, uh, and maybe I'll just put it in terms like, uh, is the message for someone... Uh, who has arrived at the hospital and needs, needs help? Uh, or is the message for someone who's in uh, rehab, meaning like physical rehab? You know, uh, my mom broke her shoulder and she had to go to rehab for six weeks and it was residential. And so there to help exercise your muscles and expand, uh, make sure those muscles are moving. Or sometimes the Sunday message is like a gym. You know, we're gonna lift some weights we're going to uh, uh, what we call basically uh, get your muscles to the point of tiredness so they can grow. And so that's one of the challenges of pastoring and, and, and speaking on a Sunday morning is that people come from all different perspectives. Some people need a hospital visit. Some people need rehab. And some people need to, to stretch and lift some weights. So this morning is going to be a little bit more like the gym, all right? So uh, get your towel out and make sure you clean uh, each station. Well, there is a scripture that's pretty challenging, and it's Proverbs fourteen two, and uh, it's just something that I always kind of resonated in my mind. And there's a scripture, or there's a PowerPoint there, and it says, "Seems right is less than is right." It should say "is right." Right. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Proverbs 14, 12. And so here at Mosaic Church, uh, not only am I trying to help you, I'm also trying to help me. And as you know, if you've been here long term, I'm preaching to me uh, before I'm preaching to you. So if I say you, just understand I mean us, 
all right? I might interchange them to we and us, but uh, you and, and me. So all of that is, I'm included. But Lord, Mosaic Church, we want to help all of us to continue to make the right choices, to bless God and to be blessed by God with his presence. And we do that by following his word is, and being connected to his Holy Spirit and being obedient to this Holy Spirit and, and listening to the decrees and following his decrees. There's a very dark chapter in the Bible in Judges chapter 21. It says that the people, everyone did what seemed right in their own eyes. Basically, there was no, uh, they didn't live by a, a decree from the Lord. They didn't listen to the, the laws of God. They just did whatever was right in their eyes. So it seemed right for them to do that. And so uh, that's our challenge for us this morning, is that we are not uh, immune from this kind of mindset to just continue to do what seems right. But that is not the same as is right. So uh, we ask the Lord to help us. Too many of us, I pray, uh, sadly, I, I pray for myself, too many times we fall in the realm of it seems right. Have you ever eaten something that seemed right? Um, yeah, me too. But it tasted good and it looked good, but boy, it was not good. Anybody been to Chipotle? I'm just, it looked good. It tasted good, but it is not good. And, and that's tough. When you go to a restaurant or even in your own home, you might be, maybe you've ever experienced food poisoning, and no one does it really on purpose. You're not purposely trying to be food poisoned, uh, but it looks good and tastes good. And that's that scripture of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It, it looks good. It seems right, but at the end, it is not right. And it's, it's the same in our lives. When, and, and especially we make this mistake when we do not compare it to the divine perspective of God's word and Holy Spirit. Because a lot of things can look surprisingly good, like a good guac, but little do we know what's in it. So human strategies and philosophies about life and how to live life and magazines and uh, you know, social media, all bombarding us how to live the life. You know, back in the day, I don't know if it's still around, but, you know, the Miller High Life, that was like the life, you know. It, I think it was, I don't know if it was Bud Light or whatever, but it remembers, like, it doesn't get any better than this. And this was not just the, the drink, but it was that whole, you know, living that life. And it, all of it looks surprisingly good. And human strategies and philosophies uh, have a bunch of people convinced that it's the right path, that it seems right, so it must be right. Well, part of the problem is that we live in, and we're all susceptible to this, of having a self-centered uh, life that we choose by what's best for me. And so we, we sometimes we don't ask God's opinion regarding the right path. And at the end, the, it's a sad part of the verse. It says, uh, there is a way that seems right to a person, but it's not, right? But its end is a way of death, Proverbs 14, 12. And so sadly, we pay a high price by making decisions that seem right, that aren't right, but look good and taste good, but at the end, 
you know, it's wreaking havoc in our lives. Uh, too many times we rely on human logic uh, to chart our, our courses of life. I remember thinking uh, in my life, just something really uh, minuscule, is uh, I wanted to be an accountant. Now, um, and I just thank the Lord he didn't let me go through that. Um, can you imagine me sitting in a cubicle? I'm just kidding. And I know not all accountants live in a cubicle. Um, why, why did I want to do that? It's because I, at, to that point, I was living a very um, financially poor life. I mean, we, we didn't, you know, we were poor. And when I say poor, we were American poor. Okay, there's a whole different poor out there. But we were American poor, and, uh, you know, I think I had one pair of socks, one, one pair of sh- jeans, out, you know, lunch, free lunch. And in those days, free lunch was like, you know, you didn't want to get free lunch because everybody looked at you. You had a special, special uh, pass, and you, had to, you actually had to say out loud, free lunch, you know, and everybody's looking at you. And, uh, and so um, I didn't want to be poor anymore. So I, somehow in my earthly logic, I thought the way not to be poor is go to college and get this accounting degree, and somehow I'll be rich. I don't know why I came up with that idea because probably I didn't know any accountants at the time. Uh, so... What seems right uh, doesn't necessarily mean it is right. So when we read God's word, sometimes it hurts, like that verse. There's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. That hurts sometimes when we read scriptures like that, or scriptures that maybe challenge us. But to me, when we read scriptures like that, it's, it reminds me of someone who's trying to train for a marathon or a 5K or 10K. I think I have a picture of someone who's exhausted. Sometimes I haven't played in about two months, but I play soccer uh, t- twice a week until I injure my leg. Um, and there are times where I take that position of exhaustion. But that's uh, a good exhaustion, isn't it? If you're out there trying to to get stronger and to be uh, and more in shape. Uh, sitting on the couch may seem right because there's no pain involved initially. You know, just sitting and watching the television. It, you're not expanding your lungs. You know, that picture hurts if you've ever done that. Uh, sitting on the couch doesn't hurt. But you see how both may seem right. Well, the couch may seem right because there's no pressure to to get your heart rate up and there's no pressure to to increase your lung capacity. And so uh, scriptures sometimes hurt. But if they hurt, it's because it's trying to build our spiritual muscles, our capacity to uh, live life to its fullest. Atrophy of the heart is fun on the front end, but not on the tail end. Getting out to run is hard on our lungs and our bodies, but it helps us to be uh, in better condition, better to expand uh, the capacity to breathe and strengthen our heart. So how do we know this is true? In Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner, I love that, a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. 
And so the word of God is going to pierce us and, and determine what our intents are. It's, I love that scripture, Hebrews 4.12. Discerner and thoughts of the intent of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who we must give an account. So this morning we're in the gym. We're going to try to press our muscles to walk in a way that we are living in a way that we're, by God's guidance, we're choosing the right thing and not falling prey to something that seems right. We need God to help us through his word and his spirit and to guide us and to equip us. It's, it's very easy to make the wrong decisions. I remember, although it's been a while, but I remember what life was like when I wasn't living for God. I have a friend of mine whose daughter decided to uh, walk away from the faith. It was a test, actually. She wanted to spend a year not reading, not praying, not going to church, none of that, and not even uh, praying, nothing. She was just going to live her life the way she wanted it. And a year later, she came back and she posted online. It was, uh, it was a tumultuous year for her, and she realized that, that God is true, and she wanted to come back and, and recognize that she was being foolish. She tried to do something that seemed right, but at the end, it didn't, it didn't give her life that so many, so many times people say it does. Um, and so when we live our life and we're trying to not avoid the tough scriptures of the Bible and we're trying to take it into our God's going to test our hearts and look at our hearts, he's going to do the MRI through his Holy Spirit to test us and see where we're at. Because too many of us are blinded by self-ish ways. And I'm guilty of that. But God has something better for you. I just, I do want to make a point that patience is not to be confused with permission. All right? Patience, God's patience is not to be confused with God's permission. So uh, I'm going to share a story in the Bible, but, you know, because you look at something and you think, okay, there, okay, maybe it's not right on God's word, but uh, nothing bad has happened to them. And so we think somehow God, patience with God in that situation is permission. And we have to be aware that that's not the same. It's tough for us. We can't see ahead. That's why I love this song we sang, and I think we'll sing it at the end here, is that, uh, you know, waiting on the Lord is the, is the act of trusting in him. You know, you're waiting on him is because you're trusting in God's uh, word and, and God's uh, you know command or, or uh, direction in your life. You're waiting on Him, and so that's an act of trust. In Second Corinthians chapter five, he, he tells us that we got to live by faith and not sight. Now, when we t- I'm going to share this story as quick as possible, but it's a long story, uh, and if it's read out of context, you might think, "Wow, that's a really bad." thing that just happened. But you have to read it in God's, in the context. And so that's why uh, last, I call it last semester, but back at the end of winter, we talked about reading the whole Bible and not just portions of it, not just the, uh, you know, soup for the soul Bible uh, reading, not just the, you know, I give the app, the Bible app like many of you do, not just the verse of the day, all right? 
not just the verse of the day. Uh, we have to read the whole Bible, and, you know, and it's a great thing to do if you can read the whole Bible throughout the year. You get a really true picture of who God is. But Proverbs 14, 12 is going to be acted out in this story in 2 Samuel. And King David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant. It, um, it had been in a location, and now David, King David wanted to bring it into the city of David, uh, Jerusalem. Uh, it's a beautiful story. And then there's many Psalms that uh, uh, will talk about that particular um, journey from the Ark, from where it was to to, to Jerusalem. And it said this in 2 Samuel chapter 6, David brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000, and he said to all his men who went to Bala in Judah to bring up from the ark of God, which is called by the name of the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim and the ark, something holy and precious, the ark. They set the ark on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of the ark. David and all the Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord and with casting its harps lyres and uh, timbrels and sistrums and cymbals. And when they came to a threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark because the oxen had stumbled. Many of you know the story. The ox stumble, cart hits a pothole, starts to tip over, and Uzzah reaches out and he, and he I can imagine, he just, you know, maybe Samson kind of strengthened and he pushes it back back onto its four wheels, and the place goes crazy, celebrating, and then what happens to Uzzah? Again, if you don't read it in context, it seems cruel. But the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Paris Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord. That day, and he asked, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And look, and lo and behold, what happened? The Lord blessed him his entire household. Now King David was told the Lord was blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. I'll try to be quick. It's a great story, but we can't, we don't have the time this morning to read it in context. The Ark of the Covenant, there are many, many uh, Bible verses. When it was made, God gave the people of Israel specific instructions how to carry the Ark. Specific instructions. And I will just tell you, none of those instructions were to put the Ark on a cart, let alone being pulled by oxen. Now, if I'm thinking logically... 
this thing's a heavy piece of furniture. <laughs> Put it on a trailer, right? Uh, who wants to carry that thing? Now, we've done some moving recently, and nobody wants to carry the big heavy couch, the, the heavy couch that's awkward, and you have to twist it to get it through the door. And so it would seem right to take this uh, ark and place it on a cart. And uh, who wants to carry this thing? So you put it uh, on a cart, and, and instead of being carried by people, it's being pulled by oxen. Now, the Bible specifically tells them not to do that. Not to do that. Now, you would have to read the previous uh, scriptures. You'd find them in Numbers. And specific, specific instructions to who is to carry the ark and how. It says in Numbers 4.15, the caretakers were not to touch the holy articles and so much to even look casually upon them lest they die. So you remember in the beginning I said, uh, God is faithful to his word, and everybody said, amen, right? Amen. And we all like that. We all like, yes. But he's also faithful to a word when he warns us. And he says, listen, don't even, do not take this haphazardly. Don't, don't be casual with this thing. Because if you do, you're going to die. And so I look at it as God's love. He's, it's kind of like as parents, and some of you have told you, it's like, hey, you better clean up. Because if you don't clean up, this is going to happen. Now, it wouldn't be nice if you just gave them the punishment without telling them or warning them or you know, telling them what's expected. You know, all of a sudden, you, you know, your child is being ushered into the bedroom, put in timeout, and no clue why. That, that'd be cruel. But if you told uh, little Davey, which I can't imagine he would ever say no or anything like that. You know, Davey, you got to eat all your food, and, and, and you, can't, you can't play on, on uh, you can't watch your favorite sports team until you finish your food. But he doesn't finish his food. He just basically ignores it. And then he goes to turn the TV on, and then dad comes in, turns the TV off, and says no. Uh, so if he didn't tell him what was going to happen, that'd be kind of cruel, but... You did, and God is faithful to his word, and he does right here. Now, here's another, uh, I would say, a way to avoid this situation. King David, being the king, is mandated to know what the laws of God are. He was supposed to write them uh, down, uh, put them on his body if he had to, you know, write notes down. Now, I don't know if Rhea's here, but is very famous for writing things on her hands. Um, and so I can picture King David was told to write things on, if you have to write things on your hands, then do it to remind yourself to do it right. And so they don't. And Uzzah pays the price for it. Now, where did David get the idea? And this is where I think is the challenge for all of us. You have to go a whole book earlier, and um, it's the prophet Eli, and he has some rebellious sons, and the Philistines are coming to attack, and so they decided to be really smart, because it seemed right to take this ark and bring it out, kind of like a rabbit's foot. It's going to be the good luck charm, and we're going to bring it out front, and we're going to defeat the enemy, and the opposite happens. And so the opposite happens. So the Philistines beat uh, the Israelites. Um, poor Eli hears that 
You know, he's an old man, he's an old prophet, and he's listening, and he, he gets a report back what happens, that his uh, kids were killed, and they took the ark, and the Bible says he fell over and died. He was, he was just overwhelmed with shock. So what did the Philistines do? Well, they have no clue how to handle such a holy, um, I don't want to say relic, but a piece of furniture, this ark that represented God's presence. And so, uh, the, you know, what did they do? They put it on a cart, and it was hauled by cattle. Makes sense. Seems right. And you know what? The decree wasn't for the Philistines, so they didn't know any different. I think what happens, and I think I have a picture of a fence here, is that uh, David looked back in, the, in history and, and looked to see how, uh, hey, look, that seems right. That seems right. Seems convenient. Less work on my Levites. Uh, and so they put it on a cart. So if you could see the Philistines, they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't have God's instruction. So they hauled it in a cart and oxen. Of course, eventually they, <laughs> the plague comes upon them. And you have to read the King James Version to find it funny, uh, the plague. Uh, you'll see, but you have to read King James. Um, and so the ark comes back. And now David has it, and he carries it on a cart, specifically told not to do that. But he looks over the fence and says, well, they're doing it, and it works for them. Makes sense. And so I love this story because it really challenges me, and I pray that it challenges you that there's a very important lesson that we need to read his word, right? We need to read his word. Don't just... But hopefully Sunday morning is not the only time you're breaking open God's word. I remember there was a long season in my life early on. That was the only time I ever opened the book was Sunday morning. I pray that's not the case for you. So David knew better. He should have written it down. He should have had it hidden in his heart. He should take the decrees of God seriously because God is faithful. Amen. He's faithful to his his words are always come true. And so here we are, and Uzzah looks over, I mean, David looks over the fence, and he makes this seems right decision, and it costs him his friend's life. We have to be, uh, Mosaic family, let me just tell you, we have to be careful to follow his decrees, all right? Now, if you're only trying to, if you only know the decrees you get from Sunday morning, you're not going to get them all. You know, we're just talking about 52 weeks. Um, but, but here's the thing. God takes it incredibly serious, incredibly serious, uh, his decrees, like loving your neighbor, all right? Um, uh, not hating your enemies, but loving and praying for them. Those are serious. Uh, Forgiving, forgiveness. I literally heard a believer tell me that God was okay with my unforgiveness. Why would that person say that? Because it seemed right for that person to say it. But we know that that's not what the scripture says. Now, we're not saying go be best buddies, but there's a, there's a decree that God says to forgive. Let it go. Give it to him. 
God takes those things seriously. Um, you know, I, I think of the Ark of the Covenant, if we were to put it in today's um, situation and how we can apply it, it's, I would say it's people. It's, um, it's, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How we treat one another, it goes back to the few weeks ago when I talked about how we greet one another. God takes those things seriously. How we love people. People are made in the image of God. That person you're holding unforgiveness with is still made in the image of God. And God has called us to be a forgiving people. People hold on to grudges. You know why? Because it feels good. It gives you a sense of justice. Like they don't deserve it. And you're right. They probably don't deserve it. But God still calls us to do what is right and not what seems right. How we treat our marriages. Marriage, you know, I, I've done about, I think, like 120, 130 weddings. And almost all of them are basically the same, have the same framework. You know, this is a holy union made. You know, God, you know, I usually say this, that right now we're seeing two people become one. And this, now instead of them, it's them. It's, uh, there's a oneness going on, and, and how we treat our spouses is incredibly important. How we carry that. And the last thing we want to do is look over the fence and see how people who don't serve God, how they treat their spouses. That cannot be the standard. It has to be his word. People are made in the image of God. How we treat our spouses. How we treat our kids. You know, cur cursing at your kids is not good. All right? Uh, blowing your top um, may feel good because it seems right, but at the end of the day, it, 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 it creates this, uh, what do we call it? A ramification, a ripple effect on our kids. Now, you may be able to handle it. You know, spouses yelling at each other and blowing up at each other. I, I tr trust me, you may be able to handle it because, okay, I can, tit for tat, I can, I, we can give it and take it. Uh, but if we're not careful, our kids who are watching us, they're not uh, mature enough yet to handle it. And, and I'm not trying to scare you, I promise. I don't, we don't do that here. Um, when we're not doing what is right and we're just doing what seems right, uh, and there's no like repentance and forgiveness and all that, there's a ripple effect. And I'm not saying... Uh, and, and my family, we've had to deal with this, is that it could cause that journey that your kid has, your child has with Jesus to be truncated and their journey with Jesus goes a different direction. And in some ways, and of course God can do whatever, in some ways it's like a, a, a spiritual death. Too many times I've, I've, I've dealt with a lot of young people, they talk about how um, and I'm dealing, we're dealing with one right now is his parents claim to be Christians, but, you know, she's uh, not living right, the mom, and, and it's, it's creating this, like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to follow that Jesus. It's, it's kind of like an Uzza, an Uzza experience. They are, they get the result of someone else's disobedience, like King David. 
So let me challenge us this morning, our, our holy unions, our marriages, uh, how we live our lives, how we treat one another, how we uh, love one another, all this is really important. Uh, how we handle God's blessings, like children, uh, our finances. You know, I write here, and it's, it's only going to be funny for a few of you, uh, you have to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. It's not Miss Robin's job to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. It's not the job of your CLA teacher to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. All Miss Robin is doing is augmenting what should be happening at home, should happen at the dinner table and at the breakfast table. So I pray this morning as we wrap it up, I'm gonna ask the band to come on up is that um, God's expanding your lungs and your heart and your spirit uh, to be able to, to um, hear the, the hard words of God's scripture. But let me just tell you, remember Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. And as we just heard the story of Uzzah and David and all that, I pray that that would not happen to us. So take it seriously. Take it seriously, living for God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. And Lord, we, we um, like Job, Lord, we askew uh, sin. We reject it. Uh, Lord, we don't want to be the kind of believer that never reads, never prays, never hears direction from the Lord, and we just kind of do our own thing because it seems right. And Lord, we, we can't fall into the category of ignorance. You know, maybe a hundred years ago, people could, like, oh, I didn't know, I, I couldn't read. But they still had the Holy Spirit to guide them. But Lord, we have all the scriptures, hundred plus uh, versions. We have resources at church, at home, on the internet. Lord, there, we cannot claim being naive about your word. Lord, so we don't, we don't rest on being naive. Lord, help us to know your word, to hear your spirit, to walk in obedience, and to act out that, that trust that we have in you. Lord, that your ways are good. That your ways are good. And Lord, we trust you. So Heavenly Father, I pray God this morning that we'll leave this place in a way that we are uh, less naive, less ignorant, and more aware of the importance of reading your word, even the tough scriptures. The ones that are tough, like to love our enemies. That's tough, Lord, and I admit that. To pray for them. So Lord, help, help me and help us in our journey with Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand and we're gonna sing this song. And again, so you see the word wait, think of trust. Wait is uh, the act of trust and you have to trust his ways and not trust in our own thinking.
Amen. Let's sing. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.